This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for May 15th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. I'm cheating a little bit today. This is a sermon I've given two or three times before, kind of resurrected and changed a little bit. But I think it's an important sermon that we do every once in a while, because how many of us use the 23rd Psalm at many, many different times in our lives? Sometimes when we're joyful, sometimes when we're frightened, sometimes when we're sad. Just It just depends on what the time is. And it's, it's used along with the Lord's Prayer probably more than any other passages in the Bible. And it's interesting, as we do it, 99 times out of 100, we have no idea what we're doing. There are words that are comfortable. There are words that we've heard since we were children. But we don't necessarily think about what the words mean to us or what they mean, period. So that's what I'd like to talk a little bit about this morning. And for my expert in this, I'm using a man by the name of Fernando de Alfonso. Fernando de Alfonso is a shepherd. He's employed by one of Nevada's largest um, sheep farms. He is rated as the best sheep ranger in the world. And behind him are 20 generations of Iberian shepherds. But he's more than just a shepherd. He's also the patriarch of his guild. And there are traditions and secrets that have been handed down in his family from generation to generation. So I think he, he makes a good person to use as the expert. Why is it, what is it about the 23rd Psalm that makes it loved so much by so many people? Anybody have any idea? We relate. I think part of it may be the fact that we've heard it from the time we were this high. And it's something that, like the Lord's Prayer, we've heard over and over and over and over. It's inspired by an anonymous interpretation that I do this, that I found years ago. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a walk with Jesus through the 23rd Psalm. And of course, as it begins, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, the question is, who is this shepherd we're walking with anyway? Remember, when the 23rd Psalm was written, and when it was sung years ago, it was sung years before Jesus entered the picture. So that's not a ridiculous question to ask. But lucky for us, Jesus gives us the answer in our gospel reading for today. 
This is the day that's known as the by the church as the Sunday of the Good Shepherd. And Jesus says in our gospel reading, I am the Good Shepherd. He claims to be our Lord and Shepherd that the psalmist writes about. But how do we know that he's the one for sure that we're to follow? Well, first Jesus tells us that the Good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand who does not love the sheep as the Good Shepherd does will not risk his life for them when danger threatens. But the Good Shepherd who truly loves the sheep will set himself between the flock and the danger. Evil and doom can't reach the flock even over his dead body. And the good shepherd will die to save his flock. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? And why would he risk his life for the sheep? Because the good shepherd has an intimate knowledge about each of his flock. To others, the sheep may all look the same, but the good shepherd knows them at a glance he knows their characteristics. He knows their idiosyncrasies. He knows their very hearts. Interesting story. Years ago, there was an army force that was in Palestine, and there were all sorts of borders that they had problems with. And our neighbor across the street from us in Lake Charles had just come back from that. And he told the story about how they had to watch the borders because the sheep would wander across. And some of these herds may be 100, 200, 300 sheep. And that's a lot of sheep. And one day this huge herd wandered across the border and there was all sorts of political problems with it, and everybody was yelling and screaming, and they finally thought they got things calmed down, and they're bringing the sheep back across the border, and they're counting one, two, three, 200, 300, and the shepherd looks up and says, those aren't my sheep. So they got to start all over again. The shepherd knows his sheep. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows their hearts, for Jesus says, I know my own, and my own know me. That, my friends, is relationship. A relationship so intimate and close that this relationship between Jesus and us, he compares to the relationship between he and his Father God. That's intimacy. That's very close intimacy. But that's not all. Jesus desires a relationship even with those who don't know him. Or he says, I have other sheep that don't belong to this fold, and I must bring them also. 
The good shepherd's heart goes out to even those who don't know him, even those who don't want to know him. And the good shepherd wants an intimate relationship with everyone. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Now certainly the writer of the psalm was referring to material needs of food and drink and rest and shelter and that sort of thing. But a pastor once overheard a little girl reciting the 23rd Psalm, and I really liked the way she did it. She said, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I want. In other words, with Jesus as our guide, we have everything we need. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, set your hopes on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sheep instinctively know, says Mr. De Alfonso, that they have been folded for the night. They also know that the shepherd has mapped out their grazing for the next day. And it may be that he will take them back over the same range that they've been, it may be that they know, need to go to a new grazing area, but they don't have to worry about it, and they know that. They know his guidance will be good because it's been good in the past. And they have faith in the future because they know he has their well-being in view. We also know that about Jesus, don't we? If we think about how we've been led by Jesus, we know that we shall not want. Because even sometimes when we're in the midst of things and we think, you know, why aren't you hurrying up, Father? You're going too slow, you're ba-da-da-da-da. And then we look back later and we know that he was right on time. We weren't, he was. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What do you picture when you hear that phrase? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Green is the most restful of all colors. And at the same time, it's the most hopeful of all colors. It implies rain as well as sunshine. In our overly busy days, we seem to lose the power to relax. As I was going through this the other day, I was over in room 101, and I saw up on the wall a verse from Hebrews. And I came back into the office, and I looked it up. And basically what it says is that the Lord takes a day of rest. And if we don't, we are not following his command. We are committing a sin. And I thought, boy, am I in trouble. A lot of weeks that I don't have time to take a day of rest, I think. But after reading that, I thought, you know, maybe I better pay a little more attention to it. Because if the Lord feels that he needs a day of rest, and he wants us to join him in his day, then he knows what he's talking about, and I don't. So we need to take that day. 
we need to take some time and God compels us to do just exactly that. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. And the sheep graze from sunrise until late morning. And then they lie down for three or four hours and they rest. And they contentedly chew their cuds. And the shepherd knows that they're gaining weight as they're supposed to be doing. Consequently, he starts his flocks out in the early hours with the rougher herbage and moves through the morning to the richer and the sweeter grass and finally comes to a band, a shady place for them to take their rest in fine green pastures, somewhere where the sheep will find contentment in their surroundings and happiness. And we too need to do this. The Good Shepherd doesn't just leave us to rest and relax, for those are the means to an end. Instead, in a moment of refreshing quiet, the Good Shepherd restores our very souls. He renews us to walk with him. He renews the healing of our minds, of our bodies, of our spirits, and he restores our souls with his healing presence. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Our journey of life is filled with lots of detours that lead us into sin and temptation and danger. Is there anyone here that can tell me that they have never been tempted to sin or tempted to go into danger? When we stray and we become lost in one of these detours, Jesus is still there with us. Jesus will come looking for us if necessary and we will set us upon the right path that leads to God's eternal home. And when you're lost and afraid, look for your shepherd because he's already looking for you. When the sheep are out, they each take a place in the grazing line and they keep that same position during the day. However, sometimes during the day, a sheep may leave its place and go and look for the shepherd. And you'll hear it with mild buzz as it's looking. When it finds the shepherd, the shepherd rubs its nose and its ears and scratches its chin and whispers affectionately into its ears. The sheep, meanwhile, rub against his leg, or if the shepherd is sitting down, nibbles at his ear and rubs its cheek against his face. After a few minutes of this communion with its master, the sheep returns to its place in the feeding line. We need to stop and take those times with Jesus where we find our master 
and we sit with him and we feel his love in his arms around us, surrounding us and letting us know that we are safe. We are loved. Above all, we are loved unconditionally. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Remember how straight the path was for Jesus by which he was led to darkness and silence and despair on the cross. Yet even on that path of death and despair, Jesus still cried out, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Even in such a moment, Jesus surrendered to God's control. And let's remember there was a purpose. For his death on the cross meant life for us forever. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's our purpose for life. When I was in nurses training, there were tasks that were not very enjoyable. In those days, we didn't have a lot of nurses' aides as they do today who get to do the tasks that aren't very enjoyable. But the nurses did them then. And I was at Mount Carmel, which of course is a Catholic hospital, and many times you, you didn't have bathrooms next to the rooms that the patients were in, and you'd start out the door with a bedpan. And about that time, here would come the priest and the nuns bringing the Eucharist. And that meant drop to the floor. And so you're down on your knees with your head in the bedpan. And it's a lovely, lovely odor that comes from it. And of course, being young kids, and grumpy and grouchy at times, we would complain to the sisters about, that's a terrible thing to have to do. We had one of the sisters that I just absolutely dearly loved, and she would look at us and she would say, you need to remember that everything you do is all for Jesus. And no matter what the task is, that makes it easier to do. And you know, throughout my whole life, I have found that to be true. The other thing I found is that God also reminds me of it. About the time I start complaining about something, I hear this nigging in my head saying, all for Jesus, all for Jesus. And I, yes, Lord, yes, I remember. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, being a follower of Jesus does not make me immune from life's valleys of darkness and death. Those are the times that are the most challenging for our faith. But remember, we have a guide. We have the good shepherd, and he has already led the way, and he's been there before us. So we don't need to fear any evil. And where the valley of the shadow of death comes from is that there actually is a valley by that name in the Holy Land. It's just south of the Jericho Road, leading from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea. It's a narrow, narrow defile through the mountain range. And climactic and grazing conditions make it 
necessary for the sheep to be moved through this valley for seasonal feeding. The valley is four and a half miles long, and its sidewalls are over 1,500 feet high. It is only 10 or 12 feet wide at the bottom. And travel through the valley is very dangerous because its floor is badly eroded by cloudbursts and deep gullies. And the actual footing on the rock is so narrow in places that the sheep can't turn around. <clears throat> it's an unwritten law of shepherd that flocks must go up the valley in morning hours and down toward eventime, lest the flocks meet as they're coming down because they can't pass each other. Mules have not been able to make the trip for centuries, but sheep and goat herders from the earliest Old Testament days have maintained that passage for their stock. About halfway through the valley, the walk crosses from one side to the other at a place where the path is cut in two by an eight-foot gully. And one section of the path is about 18 inches higher than the other. And the sheep must jump across it. The shepherd stands at this breaks and he coaxes or forces the sheep to make the leap. If the sheep slips and lands in the gully, the shepherd's staff is brought out. And the old style crook encircles around the sheep. The big sheep around their neck and the small sheep around their chest and they're lifted to safety. We are lifted to safety. Every time we have problems, we are lifted to safety. As long as we look to our Lord and we allow him to do this. So fear no evil. Even though there are wild animals in that valley, even though there is evil around us at all times, we can fear no evil because we'll stick close to the shepherd and the shepherd will take care of us just as the shepherd takes care of his sheep. In his faithfulness, the shepherd never leaves his flock. He stays with them 24-7, and his rod and his staff are always with him. The shepherd carries a rod, and it is used as a weapon to fend off enemies that they encounter, and he also carries a staff, a long pole with a hook on the end to wrap around our bodies and rescue us when we fall into danger. You notice our bishop carries that so that he can hook us back and rescue us if we fall into danger. And that, my friends, is protection. When all the sheep are at rest, then the shepherd lays his staff on the ground within reach in case it's needed for the protection of the flock. And he wraps himself up in a heavy woolen robe and lies down across the gateway because the good shepherd is the gateway. He is the gate. And he goes to sleep for the night's repose, laying there in the place of the gate to the sheepfold himself.
You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. In the time this psalm was written, it was not uncommon for a person who was being hunted by enemies to enter someone's tent in order to seek refuge to be safe. And the host of the tent would be generous in their hospitality while the enemies could only stand outside of the tent and do no more but wait. Our relationship with Jesus is our tent, a refuge in which to feel safe from our enemies. And Jesus is not just our shepherd. He's also our host. At the table is set each and every Sunday and will be set here today. And we gather around it as a foretaste of the once and final feast that is to come when we finally one day dwell in the permanent house of the Lord forever. For now, come often to the table that our host has prepared here for us and be strengthened for our journey. Because we're on a journey as we go out of this community and we walk out these doors each day. We walk away from our community of love and we walk out into the world. Then we come back to where our hope is secure in this life and our life to come. You anoint my head with oil. In ancient Near East, the anointing of oil was a common means of refreshment for weary travelers. And each night when the sheep were brought into the sheepfold, they were checked one by one by the good shepherd for any wounds that they might have. If they had a wound, the rod was dropped on their back and they knew that that meant to step aside. And after all the sheep were in, the ones that had stepped aside, the shepherd would go and check out. And as he would check them out, he would get their wounds and he would clean them out. And then he would anoint them with oil. And he would put healing oils into the wounds. Remember at the Lord's Last Supper with his disciples, Jesus knelt down to wash the disciples' weary feet. And today we use oil for the healing of mind, body, and spirit, and to consecrate what is made holy before God. This is a reminder to us that the shepherd of our souls goes the extra mile to give us all that's required for the renewing of our souls, to make us holy before God, and to make us feel that we are at home. After each sheep is taken care of, their cup runneth over because the shepherd gives them a big cup out of water that's kept cool through evaporation. And the cup runs over with water. And each sheep can dip its face down in it and cool off its face as well as take a good drink of water. The cup is never half full. It is always overflowing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You ever wonder if the shepherd in the 23rd Psalm has sheepdogs? 
A preacher once said that the Lord is my shepherd, and more than that, he has two fine collies. One's named goodness, and the other's named mercy. With him before and them behind, even poor sinners like you and me can hope to win home at last. And that's such a blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Be secure. Be secure in knowing that because of what Jesus, the good shepherd, has done for us on the cross, when our walk with Jesus on this earth is done, we have a permanent place, no longer a temporary tent, such as the one that we wear now, but a permanent place reserved and waiting for us in the house of the Lord. And we shall dwell in that house forever. That means for all eternity, the house of the Lord, the place where we experience the unearned, unmerited, unwarranted superabundance of God's love, the amazing grace for which our heart's prayer is simple. It's just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for creating us a home. Thank you, God, that your house has many mansions. Thank you, God, and let us sing endless praises and thanksgivings to you for creating us a forever home of peace and love. So let us dwell in the house of love, the house of the Lord, where we are at home now and forever. And thanks to you, O oh God, thanks forever be unto you. Amen. You have just been listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.